So this dude has this crazy confidence. I don't know where it comes from, but he's a nutter. You've got to YouTube Conor McGregor and just look, listen to his funniest quotes or some of his interviews. Um, he's as good a talker as he is a fighter. Actually, he might be even better a talker than he is a fighter, but he's still pretty much the best fighter at the same time. I don't know how he does it. He is going to be worth millions and millions and millions over the next coming years because he's gone from two years of doing this to his first interview saying, I'm going to take out everyone in the division. And now he pretty much almost has going through them all. So that was a huge inspiration for me because I see this guy and his story is going way back. His dad was saying, you're going to have to get into the family business. You're going to have to do what I do. And these are your options. They're quite limited. And um, he started training in mixed martial arts. And then he basically said to his dad, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to be an MMA fighter. I'm going to fight in the UFC and I'm going to win the title. And his dad and him had this huge argument. And um, yeah, he's done it. And he's backed it. And he's gone all the way. And for me, that was just like this unknown guy from Ireland um, which has no history of great MMA fighters it's not like he could look at someone else and say well someone else from my area or someone else from here has done this he's literally just done this on his own and laid a new foundation and broke record after record after record and it's just an, it's an incredible kind of narrative and story and so the reason I kind of share that today is because today we're looking at creativity and I think the ultimate thing that stops creativity is I think there's a fear. I think fear is the ultimate hindrance of creativity. Last week we talked about boredom and how scientists are saying that boredom is essential for creativity and that keeping yourself connected all the time through your devices, through every moment of your journey, actually will hinder your creativity. They did tests with two different types of people. People, uh, group A, um, had to do the same challenge um, as group B but they did it whilst being wired to their phone the whole time, staying active, doing things, checking news, doing all the different type of things on the phone. The other group just had boredom. They had no activity to go around and then they were given the challenge and they were far more creative. So boredom is a huge challenge to the creative process. But actually, even if you have the flourish of creativity and even if you have the great idea, I think so many people don't ever get moving on their own great idea. I think so many people have an idea and may think it's not worth doing, that this isn't worth anything. Who am I to do this? Why should anyone care if I do this? Can I even achieve this? Sometimes it's, this is too big for me. Sometimes it's, I don't know who would help me with this. Sometimes it's, I don't think I've got the money for this. There's all different types of things, but ultimately it all comes down to a moment of fear. And so today we're going to be looking at part of a narrative which at first glance is quite disjointed and, and separate from what I've started talking about, but I think ultimately is something that is going to be extremely liberating for us to kind of grab a hold of. So last week we started with the, the Genesis um, narrative and we were looking at kind of um, creation and so today we've moved past the kind of creation, creative process to the point now with um, said Adam and Eve in the garden. So in chapter 3 of Genesis, so everything at this point is just good. Things are just good. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the, of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say to you, 
you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. And when they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out and said to man, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And he said, the woman whom you gave to me, she ate the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock, and above all the beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living things, and the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. And the Lord God said, Behold, man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden he placed a cherubim with a flaming sword and turned away every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So like with this, with this story there's this, there's this shift that takes place. So everything is good and this is the story where it all goes horribly wrong this is where there's this separation and there's this change there's a change in who Adam is there's a change in who he is so there's a question that God asks them when he comes in the cool of the evening and the question he asks is where are you where are you and this I think is the question for us this morning. I think the question for us is, is literally, where are you? And the reason that is the question is because as soon as this moment happens, they're cool with God. They have this unity with the Creator. They have this intimacy that's there. This is broken. This is separated. 
this eating of the fruit, the lie that was given to them was that this would make them more like him. But they couldn't become more like him. They've become less like him. They've taken a step away. They've become totally different. And when God asks the question, where are you? This is not a God who doesn't know about Apple or Google Maps. This isn't a God who has a GPS system, which is whack. This isn't like they found the one spot in all of creation that God doesn't know where they are. This is a God who is asking one simple question of Adam, which is, where are you? Where is the Adam I know? Where is the Adam I created? Where is the Adam that is like me? Because that Adam is gone. That Adam is gone. Now the question for us this morning, and the question that I want to put forward, and the question that I am asking of myself, and this question is a profound question, and it's a painful question, because if I believe that I'm made in His image, then the only question that matters for me this morning is the question that God asks, Andy, where are you? Claude, where are you? Christian, where are you? Cornelia, where are you? Marvin, where are you? He asks that question of us. And this is a God who's asking this question because sometimes there are moments in our lives where we take things, sometimes out of ambition, sometimes out of pride, sometimes out of selfishness, sometimes out of greed, sometimes out of a wide variety of reasons, and we pursue them and we can lose who we are. We can lose our way. We can lose what matters to us, what defines us, what shapes us. And we can find ourselves in a position, in a shift, in a moment which we thought wasn't necessarily, we started to believe, even though it was maybe even clear to us in the beginning that this was a bad thing for us, we pursue things in our lives that take us a step away from him. And then the question comes, where are you? Now the thing with Adam is that as soon as that moment took place, he knew and he hid. And this is the one thing that I've noticed among tons of friends of mine. I've got some friends who are so talented, who are so gifted. I've got friends who have had amazing ideas, but so many of them are hiding in the bushes. Just hiding in the bushes. They don't understand that they've been made in the image of God, who is a creator. And he told us to go and be fruitful and to multiply across the face of the earth that we are here to do good things. They don't understand this concept because what happened with them is there's a shift that's taken place in their lives and because of whatever reason it is, whatever's happened, they are hiding in these bushes, hiding in these fig leaves and they've covered it up. And they're covering up their shame. They don't want anyone to see their fear. They don't want to see their hurt. They don't want to see any of these things. Now, one of the things that I work with a group of young people that are quite vulnerable and have been hurt at some point and do you know what the hardest question I find for any of them to answer? I can ask them all sorts of questions. And some of them have different levels of disability and so sometimes they won't answer various questions and things like that. But the question I find more frequently than anything that none of them want to answer is when I say, what do you want to do when you finish here? And no one wants to answer it. And it's not because they don't know. It's not because they don't know. When I build up a relationship with said learner, they tell me. And when I'm alone sometimes and, and they, I've earned their trust and they now believe in who I am and they believe that I'm here to care for them and that I want the best for them and that I've moved past from being like a member of staff but to someone who wants to shape their future and help shape their destiny. Do you know what they tell me? They start to share their dream 
And the reason being is sometimes the dream that we have is the thing that makes us most vulnerable. And sometimes when we have a dream and we have something in us that's creative and in the image of our dad, and it's such a beautiful thing, we hide it away. And the reason we hide it away is because when we look in the mirror and we see who we are, we think, how on earth could that come from me? And sometimes we believe it can come from us, but when we share it with someone around us, it's like they take the thing that we believe in the most and they grab it and they just beat us over the head with it. And so many of the learners that I work with, so many young people through the years I've done youth work, I've been doing it for over a decade now, all the time I meet with young people that have dreams, aspirations and hopes, but they're hiding because there was one time when they believed that they were going to be something and they shared it with someone and the person laughed. Or the person said, you'll never be that. Or they've said, you're not going to cut it. You're not going to make it. Or they've said, focus on your backup plan. Because what happens when that fails? And so straight away, off the bat, failure is there, sin is there in the midst of it, fear is there, deception is there. And what do these young learners do? What do these young people do? What do you and I do? We sit, hiding, cowering in the fig trees with fig leaves on, just waiting for one day something to be different. And then what God does is they're hiding because he says, where are you? And he calls them out. This morning, I believe God wants to call you and he wants to call me out from hiding. This morning, I believe that the dream, that the purpose that is within you of who you are and who you're meant to be, he is whispering, where are you? Where is that dream that you used to have? Where is that passion that you used to have? Where is that zest for life that you used to have? Because you knew you and you knew what you wanted to do. You knew what you were meant to do. But slowly through the pain of, when I say sin, I mean more generic than just breaking a set of commandments. But of walking away from him. Shatar is sin and it means to walk the wrong way, to walk in a different way to God. It's not just about, it's a rebellion. It's not just about a set of laws and covenant. It's also about moving away from the plan and the image of who you are, of who you're meant to be. It's being out of balance with who God made you to be. And this morning, I believe that there is broadness in the call. There is a call out from hiding of the sins that we commit that hold us and enslave us. That's definitely there. But I believe there's a sin that goes unspoken. And that is the sin that looks upon the call that God has for you, the destiny that God has for you. And you put it on the back burner and you put it and you hide it away. And this morning, I believe he's calling us out. I believe he's calling us for this reunion. And he's calling us to be in the image of God because he has something valuable for us. Now, in this story is where it all goes horribly wrong. Now, everyone here has been and heard the gospel, the good news, the Jesus story of, of, of a man of God who comes flesh and blood, restores the balance calls us to repentance, to turn from our way, to follow him the way. So Shatar is sin going the wrong way. Jesus comes, he says, I am the way. Repent, turn around, come this way. We come to him, we find this restoration, we find this forgiveness. And then what does he do? He calls us to become more and more in his image. Now Jesus was the word of God. He is. He's the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was completely a part of creative process. He spoke it into being. So if we're to come and turn around and follow Jesus, then we're going to be streamlining ourselves with the creative flow of what God wants to do. And not just the creative flow, but the restora- flow of restoration. So he's called us to, be re- to reconcile man 
to God. That's what he's come to do. And he wants you and I to be part of the restoration flow. He wants you and I to be part of the reconciliation and bringing people back to that peace and that equilibrium. But here's where it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen hiding in a bush, not chasing the dream that God has placed within you. Not just any dream, the dream that God has for you, the call that God has upon our lives. It doesn't happen that way. But it comes in bravery and stepping out. Now the way the story ends is there is this moment where God, the man called his wife Eve and because she was the mother of all living, and God, set, God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. There is this symbolic symbol, this moment, which would have been so graphic and hard for them to bear. God created them in his image. Everything was cool and he gave them charge over the animals. They were to look after and to care for them. And in this moment of their carelessness and their breaking the peace, the very animal that they were in charge to care for is now slain and they are wearing its skin to cover their shame. In the New Testament, John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus dies on the cross for our sin and it talks about us being clothed in his righteousness. That there comes this place where our shame is put away, that in Christ our shame is covered and it is covered truly, but our shame is never covered in hiding. And so Jesus calls us to come out into the light, allow his light to shine on us. And then when that happens and our sins are dealt with in his love and in his generosity, he calls us to become the light of the world that he is and to join in with that flow. This morning, the call for you and the call for me is that we would be brave enough to step out from the bushes and enter into the conversation with God, to come back with those hurts, those pains, those visions, those hopes, those dreams that we put on the back burner and that we would allow him to breathe fresh life into us, into who we are at the very core of our being. I'm just going to pray for us. Father, I thank you that I can even call you Father, that you were introduced at the beginning of this book as creator, and we see your creative flow come out in the creation that is around us. But I thank you that in the New Testament you reveal to us as Father, that we can have a restoration of that relationship in the cool of the evening, like a father and his son hanging out at the end of the day. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that through your blood we can enter into that same relationship again. And this morning as we gather together, we acknowledge that there is a fear associated with being like you and following you. Because when we look at ourselves and we look at the call to be creative, to unleash creativity, the call to be a part of the restoration story, call to be a part of reconciling man to God, the call to be a part of redeeming love that you flow out. We look at that and we look at who we are and they are so far apart. And sometimes, God, it just leaves us wanting to cower away and hide in our shame, knowing our sin, knowing who we are, knowing what we've done. And sometimes we look at the call and the bigness and the goodness of it. And when we look at ourselves, our fear is that we'll never make it, that we'll never cut it, that we're not good enough. And it leaves us in this paralysis that was there in the, very be in, the, in, the, in the beginning of this story of the fall. 
them hiding away. Father, you called them out and you tasked them with a new call, a new mandate, and you sent them out from that place. And you promised a way back. And we thank you that we live in a time where we know the way back that has been achieved in your son, Jesus Christ. But Father, we thank you that you also sent Holy Spirit to be among us, to teach us, to guide us, to shape us, to console us, to conform us to the image of your son, to bring about purification within us, to clean us out from the inside out, that it wouldn't be this, this idea that we would believe theological things that would be in our head, but that would be actively renewed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here this morning. We welcome you here to engage with us, to stir up again that gift that was given to us from our Father, to renew the clarity of that vision that you would call us back into alignment, not just with you, but with ourselves and who we are supposed to be. We just pray that you would just bring that wholeness to us now. We just ask that you'd forgive us our, our sin, not just using that as a generic term for the commandments. We totally accept that we've broken that, but that we've disowned who we are supposed to be and that we've walked away from the image we're called to be in because it seems too far off for us this morning we will stand and we will be brave and we come before you and we just ask that you would transform us Lord in Jesus name. Amen.